0: You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter. Because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. How childhood sweethearts turn their broken dreams of having children together into love and hope through adoption. This is their story. Five years ago, my childhood sweetheart and I set our marriage vows. After just three months, we started trying to have a baby. We were so excited to make our dreams of having a little one come true. We told our family we were trying and were expecting to tell them we were pregnant just a few months later. A few months turned into a few years and after a good number of negative pregnancy tests, we went to the doctor. I tried different medications and was referred to a fertility doctor. We were both 24 at the time. With every step, the doctor would say, Well, let's wait six more months. All you have is time. That would frustrate me so much because all I wanted to do was get pregnant and have our very own baby. We
1: got married in November and I have always wanted to be a mom. I was kind of like mom of my childhood friends. I was one of the oldest. And so we started trying to have a baby in like February. So just a couple months after we were married and we made this huge deal about it and told his family and told my family, like we're trying, you know, like this huge thing. And then month after month went by with nothing. We got married when we were 22. And so around the first year mark, we went to the doctor and we were like, we want to have a baby and it's not happening. And everyone
0: would be like, you're young, you're young. Let's wait another year. Let's wait another year. And we were like, no, we don't want to wait another year. The next step was to do more intensive testing that would cost thousands of dollars. My husband works in ministry, so our funds weren't the highest. We went home, talked about our options, and decided we would stop with the fertility doctors. We would stop with us trying to get pregnant. Probably
1: about six months went by. And we went into like the infertility and like just testing about if we can or cannot have kids. And my husband is a pastor. And so our insurance was not great at that point. And so they were like, okay, we can start doing this. This first round is free. But after this, it's going to be like five grand to do one test. And we were, you know, 23, 24. And we were just like, that is just not doable. And that is just like the first test to see if potentially we could go down the road with like an IVF or something like that.
0: There were and are thousands of babies on this earth right now that don't have a family. Knowing that, we didn't feel like we needed to move forward. God was pulling us in a different direction. We started looking into adoption when our friends told us about the private infant adoption agency they were going through. In the summer of 2017, we talked with that agency over the phone about all the information we needed to know and learn the next steps to raise funds to adopt an infant. We announced to our family, friends, and church family that we were going to add to our family through adoption, and we were so excited. We went home, talked about our options, and decided we would stop with the fertility doctors. We would stop with us trying to get pregnant. There were and are thousands of babies on this earth right now that don't have a family. Knowing that, we didn't feel that we needed to move forward. God was pulling us in a different direction.
1: At that point, I think we just heard from the Lord that we were just like, we should stop, we should step back, change our focus. But those first two years were so hard because We would see people around us that they would say we got pregnant, but we weren't even trying or, you know, like it was so quick. And so I really had to, I don't know, grieve that process in sitting, waiting to be pregnant, waiting to start our family, doing all of that.
0: Making that leap from trying to have your own right into the adoption. Was that a hard decision, though, a hard reality to come to? Because I think when people get married, most people, right, I feel like most people go into marriage thinking, "Oh, we're going to have our own. When I first married, my husband had two kids, but I told him I've always wanted to adopt. And his response was, well, if we can't have any, then we'll do that. Or if your health is so bad. So I get that. But I think most people go into that thinking, oh, we're going to create a life together and stuff. So how difficult was that thought process, that transition from that to adoption? I know you said you had to grieve it, mourn it. What were you mourning and grieving exactly?
1: I think I was mourning not creating a child that was half me and half Johnny. Seeing that, you know, who has their eyes or this is what you looked like when you're baby, those kinds of Things that you do when you have your children. I was mourning not being pregnant. I was mourning not having a sonogram, any of that. As long as I've been married, I've never even gotten pregnant. And so the whole process of the whole thing, where you have that connection and the baby's inside of you, like all of that, I've never gotten. And so I feel like I kind of had to get there. Johnny had to, too, because we have never created something that was ours biologically yeah and our dna has not went farther and so i think that was really hard because yeah that's what you dream of you're gonna have a couple of kids and then when your kids are old enough maybe we can open our home and adopt and maybe we can help people around us and i guess god was just like nope
0: it's right now (laughs) right now it's happening yeah so you guys were mourning the whole experience yeah we started looking into adoption when our friends told us about the private infant adoption agency they were going through. In the summer of 2017, we talked with that agency over the phone about all the information we needed to know and learn the next steps to raise funds to adopt an infant. We announced to our family, friends, and church family that we were going to add to our family through adoption, and we were so excited we started the fundraising process right away. I made homemade necklaces, we put on an Instagram auction, and we looked into grants and different fundraising options. So when you go from that and you've mourned that you're going to have the experience, right? You've grieved that. Why adoption? What opened that door? How did you get there?
1: We actually had some friends that were going through the adoption process in private infant adoption. And That is really all we knew. We didn't really know anything else. We didn't know about any other option to grow our family. And so we kind of just followed their route. We were going just through this place called Faithful Adoption Consultants. And we were about to go through all of the (laughs) journey, I guess, fundraisers to try
0: to help it. So it's $40,000 to adopt? At least,
1: yes. You're paying for all of the medical care for the biological mother essentially, but not on insurance. There's obviously more than that. We actually didn't eat start because we got our crazy call about adopting a 12 month old. So we didn't even really get into the infant adoption.
0: What were you doing to try and raise those funds when you were gonna go the
1: adoption? We were gonna do t-shirts. I made some jewelry that I was selling, but we literally announced that we were gonna adopt and then it was two weeks, and we got a call. So everything halted.
0: But then our world stopped with one phone call. Some friends from church called and asked us what ages we were adopting. We assumed they just wanted to know more about what we were doing. So we said, the company we're going through does infant adoptions. Why? The next thing they said was something we could never make up. Well, I have some friends that are raising a 12-month-old grandson and are looking for an adoptive family. So I told them about you. Would you want to adopt him? We said yes right away. We didn't know what he looked like, where they lived, if we could actually adopt him or anything. But our yes was now on the table. Tell me about that call.
1: Yeah. So we announced it to our church that we were going to adopt and we're going to raise money because Johnny was on staff. And so we just want to be very upfront, like we're raising money, but he's also working here and just making it very clear. Like we're also raising money for a baby. And then a couple that was sitting in the church, they had friends that were raising their grandson. And in this particular story, they were trying to find an adoptive family that Believed the same things that they believed, and they were trying to have an open adoption, but that doesn't really happen. So it was just kind of like, if the adoptive parents allow it, then that is kind of how it goes. So they called Johnny, my husband, and they go, What ages are you trying to adopt? And Johnny was like, Well, what we're going through is infant adoption. So we would get matched with the birth mother, kind of go through the journey of pregnancy with her, and then get the baby right when they're born. And he goes, would you adopt a 12-month-old? And Johnny goes, yep, we would. And he goes, okay, I want to connect you with these other people that are raising their grandchild. So then Johnny calls me and he goes, hey, I just said yes to a boy. He's 12 months old. I said we would adopt him. (laughs) I was just like, fine with me. You know, like, let's go. And so this couple actually came to our church a couple of times and kind of scouted us out because they heard about us. And I guess we passed the test because they said, Hey, we would like you to adopt." And then literally they called us on a Friday. And then on Sunday, they were at church and we went to lunch with them after church and met our future son. So
0: that's not the traditional route, is that?
1: No, no. It's a very weird, crazy story. And then from then we learned that he was in the foster care system under guardianship of his family. And so for us to swoop in and get him, we had to get foster care certified.
0: Once we met these grandparents, we found out that he was in the foster care system. We didn't know anything about the system then. We had no idea the need for loving families. To adopt this little boy, we needed to become licensed foster parents. During the process of training, paperwork, and home studies, we were able to watch him over the weekends and develop a close bond. What hoops do you have to jump through to get licensed? A lot. If you do
1: it from start to finish as fast as you can, it took us three months. So you have to do
0: 30 hours of training. What's the training entail?
1: It entails all flash care, everything. It entails like what you need to do to your house. It talks about all of the trauma that these kids face. It talks about like swim training and car safety training and bed training, or you can watch these kids and What they need to go through is they want to watch them more than X, Y, and Z and home study. So they have to come out to our home three different times and check everything. You had to baby proof it times 10, put your knives behind a locking key, cover all of your outlets. Like typical things that you would do if you brought a baby home, then you had to do like a hundred pages of paperwork. They have to look at your finances. They have to look at jobs. They have to look at every place that you live. It is insane. It is insane.
0: And you have to pay for that? No, all of it's free. If you go through foster? Yes. So is a foster and adoption, are the routes different? Would you know?
1: Yes. So the goal for foster care is reunification. You go into foster care and you essentially just love on these children, kind of help create their bonds for them to actually bond, work with biological families and try to get them back together. Obviously, that doesn't will happen. A lot of the times or sometimes. And so our cases were very different because they were kind of adoption because all of our biological parents were not in the picture. So we have connections with all of our kids' biological grandparents, but we have never met any of their parents. Okay. So ours was very, very, I mean, the people that are in the foster care system are like, your story is insane. This never, ever happens. You don't say, do you want to adopt our son? but we didn't know any better. (laughs) So adoption is, you still work with the family, but they're already signing their rights away to give their child into the home. And foster care, the biological parents can sign their rights away to be adopted, or if they don't show up, then it'll be neglect and the courts will take their biological parental rights away. And then they're available to be adopted.
0: Yeah, once you got licensed and you have met the grandparents, then what happened? So at the beginning,
1: guardianship and foster care, they're under foster care, but they're a little different. Guardianship is when biological family is a guardian over somebody. And so they have a lot more say. And so right when we started, we met him in August. Every weekend, we would watch him. It would start Friday and Saturday for a month. And then we would go to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so we were able to watch him over the weekend. And the days kind of spread out and the biological family stays kind of went smaller through that three months.
0: So what was that like when you started taking him at first? Was that a hard transition? Did he know what was going on? Did he think you were just a babysitter? He
1: he totally thought we were babysitting. He was only 12 months old. Mm -hmm. And when his grandparents decided that they wanted to find an adoptive placement. The foster care system encouraged him to have daycare. So you already kind of understood babysitters or daycare. So I think for a while it was like, we are a different babysitter, <laughs> you know, like I mean, he's 12 months old. He had no better. He didn't know anything, but it was a very seamless transition. And honestly, it was like the weirdest blessing because we were able to watch him for three days. And then Fall on our feet, like rest because when you don't have any kids going to a toddler, you're worn out. And so it was kind of this weird blessing that we were able to parent for a couple of days and then rest and be off in the parent for a couple of days and rest. Like
0: ease into it. You were able to ease into parenting. Exactly. And it was
1: good for my son Jonathan, but it was also good for his biological grandparents because they were
0: able to kind of wean off in a sense. So we moved in in December. That was it. After three months around Christmas of 2017, Jonathan moved in with us. We knew in the foster care system, nothing is final until it's final. So we had to trust God through the process of unknowns. We had to trust God in allowing Jonathan to become adoptable and then allowing the judge to grant that adoption. Just 18 months after saying yes to that phone call, we were officially able to adopt Jonathan and give him our last name. Having Jonathan join our family was like a dream come true. He was an 18-month-old toddler who loved to snuggle, laugh, and play. Every day, I woke up feeling like I was in my dreams. I finally felt like I was doing what I was made to do. I was finally able to be a mom, a mom who could raise her son. Tell me about Jonathan. Tell me what type of little boy is he?
1: He is the typical firstborn child in a sense. He's not the oldest, but he is technically the first in our family. So he is the leader and he is very logical. He wants to know everything that's going on and all the details. And if things don't happen the way that they want, it's very hard. But he is five. He just graduated kindergarten. He's going to be in first grade next year. And he's just our little
0: brainiac. Aw, I love it. I know your husband's Johnny and he's Jonathan. So all of our children, we kept their first
1: birth names. So all of their names are from their birth moms. And we kept that because we wanted a part of them. They don't have any trauma with their name because they're also young. So we kept his name. But when we were starting the process of trying to have a kid, I was like, I don't want a J name. I don't want a K name johnny's family has like so many j names his dad's name is john his grandparents names are jimmy and june jimmy and june have a jan and a jessie and, like there's so many j names i was like i am done my mother-in-law's name is also carrie so we have the same name and then my sister-in-law's name is katie my sister's name is christy so there's just a lot of j's and gays in our family and so i was like none of those When we name our child, we're not going to have any of those. And then God kind of laughed at us and said, oh, you don't want any of those names? Here's a little boy, and his name's Jonathan. And I was just like, no. And does he go by Jonathan, or do you have a nickname for him? He goes by Jonathan because my husband's name is Johnny, and then my father-in-law's name's John. So I was like, you're going to stick with Jonathan as long as I can have
0: it. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. When we left the courthouse with our still family of five— but with one of our sweet kids that had our own last name, my husband Johnny and I were over the moon. We couldn't stop smiling. We couldn't stop hugging him. We just couldn't believe it. After so many tears, struggles, infertility, and heartbreak, we finally had a little boy to call our own. He was ours forever. We were able to set roots and dream of a future together. I was finally able to see myself dancing with him at his wedding and meeting his first child. I could see us watching his graduation and celebrating him through every achievement.
1: It was incredible. There was like 50 people that came to the courthouse with us. In the foster care process, at the very beginning, you're doing reunification and then parental rights either get taken or they ride them away. And then you get pushed over to the adoption kind of side of foster care. And so at that point, it's pretty much nothing's going to happen. There's not really a chance, but there is one because it's not final. So after that point, just weight is lifted off for sure. But then once they say it's done, his name is now Jonathan Day. It's just like tears and tears, and tears, because you don't know the entire time that any of the children are in the foster care system. If some wild card is going to come and if random family members going to swoop in you have no clue and you have no say as foster parents it doesn't matter what you think
0: so did you have concern that something could happen like that he'd be taken from you guys
1: yes a hundred percent because you just
0: never know who else is out there throughout this entire experience our hearts grew for foster care We wanted to open our home to more children even before the adoption with Jonathan was finalized because we understood the need, especially for sibling groups. You said the more you learned about foster care that y'all became heartbroken. What was it that you learned that just broke your guys' hearts about foster care?
1: So we just learned that there was so many children in the foster care system that had no hope, that had no future that were just being neglected or just sleeping at the DFAC's office because there wasn't enough homes. And then we were also broken that siblings were getting separated. You know, these six and seven-year-old kids that were already parenting their three-year-old sister, brother that have been together and that have united their whole lives, just get ripped away. There are people that want younger children to come into their homes because there's not as much trauma or behavioral issues or whatever. And so we just learned that there was just so many kids and that there's just not enough homes at all.
0: In the fall of 2018, we told our foster care social workers we wanted to open our empty room up. She moved quickly with the paperwork. It takes a month or two to add more open beds for new children though. Before the state even accepted our request, we got a call to see if we wanted to foster to adopt a one-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. We were so confused. We were going to foster temporary placements, not adopt permanent ones, but God had different plans. We knew it was a yes the second she asked. Once we were officially able to adopt more children, we met these two precious siblings at the DFCS office. They were in the system for 18 months, and their case was being moved over towards adoption. But they didn't have a family to adopt them. They moved in with us Thanksgiving 2018, just 11 months after Jonathan moved into our home. We went from having zero children to three toddlers within a year. Our lives would never be the same. We got accustomed to each other well over the next year. We learned one another, trusted each other, stretched each other, and tested each other. We had three kids in our home who didn't look alike, but were best friends and knew they were family. Dr. Jonathan,
1: we had to keep on doing foster care training the whole entire time. You have to keep up your 10 hours of training a year, all the stuff. And our first just kind of broke. We kind of finally learned more about the BOSCR system because we had no clue. We didn't know how to get involved. We didn't know anything about it. And we just being a part of it, we realized there's a massive, massive need and there's a massive need of a sibling group. So if you have a home where you can do two or more like beds available, that would give up higher chance to keep siblings together. And so about six months after Jonathan moved into our home, we were like, let's open a home. Let's just dive into this foster care and support this biological mom and fight for her rights and get this family back together. That was where our mind went. So you have to go through this whole other home study, paperwork, red tape stuff. It takes about a month to like change your home to open more beds for different children. And so we were kind of in that waiting period and we had a consultant that was kind of like on our side through the whole foster care process. She was amazing. Her name's Amy and she called and she goes, hi, so I know you're wanting to open your home for foster care. Would you be willing to adopt a one and three-year-old? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, of course, yes. And so then I called Johnny and I was like, hey, this is what just happened. I said, yes. You know, it was kind of backwards from what happened with Jonathan. And so she called us both and she was like, there's this sibling set a couple of counties away from us that they're trying to look for an adoptive home. They've been in the system already for 18 months and they can't find an adoptive home for them. Termination of the parental rights is almost happening. They're kind of at that point so they're looking for a home that they can be adopted in and so we were just like yes 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 we didn't hear back from them for about three and a half weeks it was very crazy but we were just like we haven't accepted any kids we're not even open to accepting any kids like let's just wait on this and let's see what this happens because if the door closes the door closes and then we'll be bond but like if this isn't a possibility we are open for it. So, we finally got the call, will you come and meet them and see if this is a good fit like the next day. It was actually November 1st and so we were just like, yep, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so we met them and their names were cedrica and Corinthian and we were just playing with them and our consultant was talking to Dfax or and they were just like, okay, so what do we need to do? And they were like, we're open to Kind of do the same weekend. Like you'll watch them for a day, then you'll watch them the next weekend, you'll watch them overnight once, the next weekend, you'll watch them overnight two times, and then they'll move in. Are you okay with that? And we're like, yes. (laughs) And so from then, that's what we did. We were kind of working with the foster family that they were living with at the time and kind of transitioned them into our home.
0: Fast forward to January of 2020, 13 months after our sibling set moved in. We got a call about their little sister. She was born and placed into care at three weeks. She was already in a foster home, but since we had her siblings, they asked us if we wanted her. We cried, prayed, and said our third yes. We knew taking in an infant was going to be hard with a two-year-old, three-year-old, and a newly five-year-old. We knew we would be tired. We knew our world would turn upside down. But this little baby was just taken from the only woman she knew. She was placed in a stranger's home. At least we could bring her to her brother and sister. So after three weeks, she moved in. She joined her family, and our life hasn't been the same since.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus Terms and conditions apply. And then we got a call in January of 2020 that their biological mom had a baby sister. And you want to you know, welcome her to home and said, yes. And so we had a sibling set of three in our home in 2020. We adopted Cedrica and Corinthian in October of 2020, but Isla's case, she's the little sister. It was two separate cases. Because at that time when we got Isla, CCM Corinthian's parental rights were already taken away. And the adoption unit, while Isla, it kind of starts over with every baby with the biological parents
0: so how old was she when you got isla
1: she was five weeks oh wow five weeks
0: so then yeah. you got to experience that like newborn yeah. never sleeping maybe yep. you're lucky if you get a shower and brush your teeth yep.
1: <laughs> yeah but we also had a four three and two-year-old in our home well that's we a had lot a it was a lot <laughs> <laughs>
0: Raising three kids that have three different backgrounds with three different traumas was hard. It was hard to go to therapy sessions for each child and having multiple social workers coming in and out of the home on a weekly basis. We were in the ocean, barely above water, trying to grab onto any float possible. Trauma is hard to work through. It takes time and consistency. There would be hard days, but then there would be amazing days. Days where we could see a future of joy and hope. It's been messy and loud. It's been hectic and crazy, but it's also been beautiful. We have been able to see our kids grow and love more. We have been able to see our family come together, and we've seen how God has used us for our growth.
1: And so it was just four very long years of... Holding our hands open wide and letting the Lord lead us, we had no power in like every sense of parenting. We really just had to lean in and remember that God loved these children far greater than we could ever love them. And He knows what's going to happen. And He knows if something did bad happen, that it was going to be for their good or for their growth. And so we just kind of had to put that into our mind every single day and sometimes it was very very hard for us to kind of let go but other times it was also very nice because it was kind of a reminder that we're not in charge and we do not know what's going on and we don't know what's best and just to rely on God through the whole thing it grew us I think as parents of understanding what was going on with our children a little bit more but it also kind of grew us together because we were newly married and we had no clue what we were doing, but just doing it together just bonded us like crazy.
0: Would you say that this whole experience going through the foster care system has made your marriage stronger?
1: Yes, 100%. And I think with any marriage, when you go through hardships or things that are just out of your control and you're just having to walk through it day by day, I think it just Bond you even more.
0: I think when a marriage goes through hardship and you make it out the other end together, that bonds you when you can get through it together and not go separate ways. We are still in the thick of foster care. We are on track to adopt the two older siblings, but are still wading the waters with their little sister. Our kids got closer, and it was beautiful to see them love each other. It was beautiful to see them fight for another. It was beautiful to see my white son compliment my black daughter's skin color and tell her she has pretty brown skin. I love that they are learning that regardless of what they look like, they are still worthy and beautiful. Foster care is a heartbreaking place to be. Foster care is only here because people get in bad places and can't take care of their children. These kids are not ours to start but we will honor their biological families and show them where they come from. We will foster love for the rest of their lives. So I love that you put foster love. I love that you added that we will foster (laughs) love for the rest of our lives. I thought that was very clever. And I love that. How are you honoring their biological families by showing them where they came from? What are you guys doing to do that?
1: So we actually are very connected to Jonathan's biological grandparents. They actually watch our kids once a week and they live right around the corner from us. They go to our same church. And so it's been a tricky situation because I kind of explain it like they're mine and Johnny's in-laws, you know, like we both don't have that connection of 25 years of relationship as a parent and child and then bringing in a grandchild. We're it was all opposite, so it was a very rocky transition. Of they raised Jonathan for a year, and so they were parents, and then they had to release that and let us be parents, and then be grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really big transition. But we're four years into it, and so we kind of have boundaries set, and we understand each other. So they are a part of our lives, and Jonathan's met many of his biological cousins and aunts and uncles, and then with. Cece, Corinthian, and Isla, we are still in contact with their great-grandfather. He's been to all of the adoptions, and we see him three to four times a year. So it's been sweet to kind of have a place where this is my grandpa, you know, like my biological, he looks like me grandpa, and we're completely willing to do that. So yeah, they were not ours. They don't have our DNA. They have somebody else's DNA. That is a hole in their heart that they're going to have for the rest of their lives and we cannot fill it. So we are trying to hold on to those ties to their biological family as long as possible.
0: Yeah, I love that. So you let their grandparents be grandparents. So how are all of the kids doing now?
1: They're doing great. Yeah, they're doing awesome. This upcoming school year, we'll have a second grader, a first grader, and a kindergartner. Oh, nice. Nice.
0: Oh my gosh, three. I remember the days, three in school and one at home. That was like easy peasy. What are you hoping that others will take away from hearing your story on foster care and stuff?
1: I hope that people view foster care system as not as scary, but also view these kids as real kids and not these broken kids that don't have a future stats will tell you that they don't and tell you that they can't get out. But if there's that one person in their lives that can change the trajectory of their story, it could be you. So you don't have to be a foster fam to do that as well. You could just come around the foster system and support in very different ways.
0: What are those ways? How can people support? So there is a thing called a respite family,
1: and you have to do the same training and the paperwork and the home study as you do a foster family but it's essentially like a trusted babysitter for foster families to kind of say like, I need a respite family for this weekend. Or if the biological family says that they can't go on a vacation or can't go out of state because you have to get approval to take a foster child out of state. If they don't have their approval, then they can stay at a, a respite family that's already been looked into deeply to make sure that they're safe as well. You could also partner up with Different organizations, like there's an organization in our state called it Leads to Angels that they kind of partner you up with a foster family that has foster children and they kind of love on the family, but they stay with the child. So if the child moves from home to home, they kind of have that same person that has met them and knows them, loves them, and takes them shopping or takes them to the movies or, you know, just to make a stable relationship. Or you can give clothes or toys. Or when we were in the foster care system, or when our kids were, we would get Christmas gifts, and it was just such a sweet thing because even being a foster family, and you're creating this room, you're not creating a room for a person. You know, you're not creating a room for my CC. You're creating a room for a girl that's five to ten. We were also very blessed by this ministry called Becoming by Brooklyn that actually came and redid all of our kids' spaces for that specific reason, saying like they didn't get a room for them. So they came and redid all of their rooms and made it very personal to them. And they got new beds and new comforters. And you know, when you open up your home as foster parent or foster home, you're just trying to fill it and try to get stuff in as quick as you can. And there's so many things out there that you could do to support them.
0: Life happens when we are making plans. What we think is broken is actually what makes our story beautiful. If life turned out exactly how we planned, it wouldn't be as great or interesting. When we are thrown curveballs, it's what we choose to do with them that matters most. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode, Also tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness.